This is Crime Connections, and we're your hosts. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jackie. So today I want to tell you about two cases about two different young women that had their fate met by different men, but in a very eerily similar situation. The first young woman I would like to talk about today is Jasmine Wright. At 27 years old, she had achieved quite a bit. By all accounts, she had the world in her hands. She was a Penn State graduate, and weeks prior to her murder, she finished her master's program in public health at Drexel University. And on top of all that, if that doesn't sound busy enough, this young woman took a trip to West Africa to bring medical aid to remote villages. According to detectives, on July 15, 2015, 30 minutes prior to Jasmine returning to her West Philadelphia home, the recently fired maintenance man broke into her apartment, and he waited for her. That man was 56-year-old James Harris. Jasmine was obviously unsuspecting and was actually on the phone with her mother when she was walking into her apartment, and the last thing her mother heard, who was living in Virginia at the time, was a scuffle and then the line going dead. So she probably didn't assume that that's what was going on. She just heard like, you know, I mean, you could be grabbing groceries and bring them in the house and then accidentally click your phone off. Like you never know. For sure. So that was the situation at that moment. In that third floor apartment, James Harris attacked Jasmine from behind, brutally beating her, then proceeding to sexually assault and strangle Jasmine. What sickens me the most is that she was literally on the top of her game. She had just finished only one chapter of her life. And when you see pictures of Jasmine, who's not only extremely driven and kind, but she's absolutely beautiful. Of course, her parents are concerned. I'm sure her mom at the time probably called her back and was like, hey, like, you know, why didn't you call me back or whatever? Like, I don't know exactly how that played out, but I'm sure it went something similar to that. And so... When they couldn't get a hold of her, her dad called um, the apartment complex and asked the property manager to go check on her. And then that's when they found Jasmine laying in her bed. And to be clear, she wasn't murdered in her bed. She was placed there after the fact because James Harris tried to clean up this horrific event, but he failed. He used bleach to try to clean the floorboards and he tried to remove DNA and fingerprints. And according to the NBC interview on this case, neighbors said that they could place James Harris at the scene, coming to the building, and then also when he was leaving that day. Now, they didn't see him walk directly into her apartment, but they definitely said that they saw him at the building. Oh, wow. Well, so the neighbors that placed him there that day were confused because obviously they know, like, you know, last week this man was fired, so why is he back at the building? Yeah. And what baffles me is why he had this job in the first place. So this man had an actual career out of crime. He had 31 prior convictions on all levels of crime, but the one that sticks out to me the most is about his prior charge. And um, Jackie, what do you think that is? Mm, I would probably guess like sexual assault or something. Oh, he he had those. Um, No, he actually murdered his dad. What? In 1982. Yeah, so there was different articles about that in fact because obviously the moment everyone found out about this case they were like who in the right mind would hire a convicted killer to have access to people's homes you know yeah so his brother had commented on this he said that their father was very mean to them and abusive and he would like hurt their mother so that was his reasoning for killing his dad but whatever the reason was that's still something that you can't you know look past oh uh, yeah and then in 2002 yeah so then in 2002 he was charged with uh, statutory sexual assault rape and corruption of a minor and other related offenses 
apparently those charges were later dismissed, but he was, um, you know, he was charged with those originally. Yeah. And then in 2007, he was convicted of uh, drug and gun offenses. And so he served four years for that. So that was like his recent thing before the whole situation with him breaking into Jasmine's apartment happened. Those are just like the the, ma- the main ones. There was mm-hmm. tons of other ones. Like I said, 31 prior convictions. That's insane. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And the whole reason he was fired in the first place was because they hired him to like help out around the complex, but he wasn't doing his job like at all. Like he wouldn't fix anything and pretty much he would just come to work and kind of like chat with people is mm-hmm. what they were saying in the articles that I read. So, like I said before, please tell me why someone with that kind of background was able to obtain a position where he had access to keys to get into people's homes. That's like my big, like, looming question, why that even happened. Yeah, this reminds me a lot of the case that we covered last year when we were speaking about Margaret Ebby, and she was killed by the maintenance man by this exact same overlook, you know? It's like, what are these people thinking? Right, so that's what's like super creepy about it. It's like you're giving people like authority positions in a sense that should never have those positions to begin yes. with. So, home is supposed to be the safe, you know, area for everyone to go, whether that's an apartment or whatever form that is, like condo, whatever. Like, that should be your safe place. And yet, Jasmine wasn't safe. And to add insult to injury, when we, when we talk about James was being fired they didn't collect his keys so he still had access to the keys to get into the initial building so like the, oh the front door or the back door but they say that he didn't have access to keys for individual apartments they think that he must have made a copy of some somehow to get that but i honestly feel like that might be something that they just said to kind of like save face for the owners Cover of the up. complex yeah. because why give just the keys to the front door or the back door or like certain rooms in the place if he's the maintenance man he'd probably have a master key to everyone's apartment you know oh yeah he would have to well yeah because like if something if the furnace breaks at like you know three o'clock in the morning or something and he has to go in and like check it out you know he's gonna need those keys without having to do the runaround of contacting like the managers or whatever to go fix it or you know like that's why i'm thinking like that's just a safe face comment that someone had made to the media Yeah, for sure. So, clearly, they either were so desperate that they hired him knowing full well that he had this kind of background, or they never did the background check in the first place, because how do you look past that? Mm -hmm. And putting it lightly, like very lightly, the people that hired him were extremely negligent. There's no way around that. That's exactly what happened, whether that be the owners of the complex and then they hired a manager or someone that was also negligent, but it all kind of falls on the owners of the complex because you don't allow those things. And maybe they didn't know, but for me, just because you didn't know something, you hired someone in the position that hired him and you trusted that they would do that job correctly and they clearly did not. So either way, it always will fall back on the owners, you know? Yeah, it has to. Only days after Jasmine's murder on July 19th of 2015, 
James Harris was arrested, and he was arrested on the charges of robbery and criminal trespass. And not long after that, they had the DNA match that was already in CODIS from his prior convictions, and that combined with the witness sightings allowed the Wright family to have the closure, but it doesn't fix what has been lost either. Mm -hmm. To this day, James Harris has never said why he did it, and he never will because about two years after he was convicted to serve a life sentence for doing this to Jasmine, he committed suicide by hanging himself in a cell. Oh, wow. I have another, like, odd comment. I found other reports um, from different articles about this case. He had been returning to the building before he was arrested. So only days after Jasmine was murdered, he returned back to the building. And he even made a comment on her Facebook post that her family had posted to, like, obviously let people know what was going on. And, like, basically it was, like, the online where, like, people can comment, like, you know, rest in peace, fly high, those kinds of things where people yeah. will put, like, a, an electronic memorial on Facebook. Yeah. So he had commented on that and he said all in he posted with pictures of a dozen roses he said for you like oh. that's what he did he like he posted it seemed like maybe you know i think of now i immediately go to like a gif like someone posts yeah. a gif of something and then all in for you but he's the one that did it so he still commented on her electronic memorial that her family did oh my god so that's just like another like kind of like slap in the face you know that is insane right like but i'm sure he probably thought he was smart enough that no one would ever catch him you know oh for sure yeah so this is like um a comment so hours after police found Wright's strangled body on july 16th residents on the block interviewed the daily news and they said they suspected that harris had played a role in this violent death so these are like her neighbors so just to kind of like trace back on july 15th he was waiting for her in her apartment and they didn't find her until like the following day they said that he made it known to everyone that he held on to the set of keys for the building after leaving the job there, a.k.a. he got fired. He didn't leave voluntarily. He was fired. Mm -hmm. And that was like a glaring detail given to police that said Wright's apartment showed no signs of forced entry. Something just seemed off with him, said one woman that lived uh, below Wright in the building on the 50th Street near Locust. So on 50th Street near Locust, that's where the building was. That's just what was stated in this article, so I'm quoting it. Okay, so she spoke to the People's Paper on the condition of anonymity. I see myself as a pretty good judge of character. Chalk that one up to intuition. The woman said that she felt uncomfortable about Harris, who openly spoke to her about his time in prison and volunteered that he even had been locked up for killing his father. He introduced himself to her when she moved in, mentioning that he still had access to all the apartments and he was a handyman, he told her. He was hired by the building's owner to do odd jobs around the place. He offered to help her with repairs and renovations. She said she changed her locks a few days later. Harold Murray, the owner of the building that Wright lived in, allegedly hired Harris to take out the trash and clean the yard and perform minor maintenance, according to Harris's brother, Harry. Okay, but how did he get keys then? Thank you. Like, if that's what you hired him to do, then why did you allow him to have these? Like, a handyman and a maintenance man are two different men. Like, I mean, there's similar, like, you know, crossing paths in that statement. But yeah. I feel like when I think of a maintenance man, you're fixing water heaters, any like heating elements, things like that. Mm -hmm. The handyman is the guy you call to like maybe, you know, clean up a flood or, or salt the you know, sidewalk. Like, yeah, do like 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 he said, you know, take out the trash and perform minor maintenance details. Like that's not really making 
it just doesn't look good for the owners, you know? No, not like, at they all. They just seem like they didn't do a very good job. They found someone because they needed someone, and then they didn't care who did the job. Well, in But the clearly, f- he didn't do his job, so he got fired. Exactly. And the fact that this woman, she's saying that she feels uncomfortable. I'm, I'm curious if she went to the owner and was like, listen, he makes me feel uncomfortable. He is saying this, this, and this. Did you look into him? Or if she just kind of, like, didn't go anywhere from there you know what I mean yeah I mean I don't know that part but like I just thought it was like crazy that I could find an article from a neighbor that lived in the building as well saying you know I changed my locks like almost immediately after talking to this this dude because he creeps me out and like if you look up pictures of him I don't mean to be like an assassination of like someone's looks but he does look scary I will give him that the next person that I would like to speak about is um, Mia Marcano, and she's actually a name that maybe some people listening to this might know right off the bat because this did just happen. So the second young woman I would like to talk about today is Mia Marcano. At 19 years old, Mia also had big dreams ahead of her. She was a sophomore at Valencia College in Orlando, Florida, and she resided at the Arden Villas where she also worked. That's when she met Armando Caballero, and I'm not sure if I said that right, but I think I did. Um, Armando worked as a maintenance man at the Arden Villas, and from multiple reports, he seemed to be infatuated with Mia, and on numerous occasions, she denied his advances, and he clearly did not take no for an answer. So on September 24th, 2021, he used his master key he was given to work on apartments and entered her home 30 minutes prior before she returned home and he waited for her. Mia was last reported being seen around 5 p.m. on that day. Mia Marcano was found on October 2nd, 2021, with her neck, her hands, and her feet bound with black duct tape, and she was nearly skeletonized near timber scan on Lake Condominiums in a wooded area. And that's about 18 miles from oh. the Arden Villas where all of this took place. Mia was found by a search party that was set up to find her so like they were already looking for her obviously they were like this is abnormal for this young woman so they had search parties and it took them this long to find her and obviously florida's very hot so that's why Mm -hmm. she was nearly skeletonized orange county chief medical examiner joshua d stephanie reported that there was no identifiable evidences of trauma due to the advanced decomposition. In my opinion, the manner in which she was found with the multiple restraints in her decomposition in an abandoned area of the apartment complex indicates some type of assault, but because of the lack of any identifiable soft tissue injuries due to advanced decomposition, the cause of death is homicide by undetermined means, Stephanie wrote in the autopsy report, and that's according to the People's Magazine report that I read on this case. Detectives were led to the apartment complex by phone records of the now-deceased prime suspect, Armando Caballero, who was found dead by suicide on September 27th. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he committed suicide, and they have reported that it's because he knew that he was going to be found. And this is only three days after she was murdered that he committed suicide. Holy crap. Yeah. So records show that Armando, who was 27 at the time, was in the area for about 20 minutes between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. on the day that Mia disappeared. So they were like, yeah, like it's pretty, you know, you're in the same spot she is around the time that mm-hmm. she would have went missing so it's kind of all adding up for them and then in that same people's magazine article prior to his death armando told detectives that he last saw mia 
at work around 3 p.m. on the 24th. And according to the Orange County Sheriff John Mina, authorities believe that Armando snuck into her apartment using the maintenance-issued master key fob before she got off work. So like we had already said that earlier, but they're just confirming like, hey, we know he used his master key to get into her apartment almost immediately before she got off of work. So he knew when she was getting off, he knew her schedule. Yeah. And then the sheriff says, there is no doubt he was waiting for her knowing that she was going to be coming home from work. And since her death, the family of Mia Marcano are pushing lawmakers to pass the bill in her name. Mia's law is to help better protect renters like her. Mia's law aims to make apartments safer for tenants through tougher employee background checks and stricter requirements when accessing apartment units. So please, if you took the time to listen to this episode, please head over to MiaMarcanoFDN.com. That's MiaMarcanoFDN.com and sign their petition. It takes three seconds and they have actually so much useful information on the website. Like I learned that 35% of the population in Florida rents. So if you have friends or family that live there, they're probably in that percentage. So sign for them. Anyone can sign this petition, whether you live in California or Tennessee or even Florida. Um, So help get this bipartisan legislation passed. It can literally save lives. And Jackie and I already signed it. So if you go on there, you're going to see all the people that signed it. And you're going to see that Crime Connections already have signed this um, petition. And they aim to do this because they want Mia's law to be her lasting legacy. To not let this young woman die in vain. Like, she will have a purpose. Like, obviously, this is not anything that anyone ever wanted to happen, but this does give the family some form of closure because they know who did it. But that doesn't fix what has happened. Mm -hmm. So this would allow them to know that something positive could come out of such a horrible situation. But even if you don't feel like signing it for someone else, if you don't want to sign it for your family, sign it for yourself. I I rent, Sarah rents, I know probably most of our listeners rent, and it's this is a huge deal. And, you know, if Florida recognizes it, maybe, you know, other states will be like, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. It could save people's lives. And it could be, you know, a chain reaction type thing. Exactly. Jasmine and Mia are tied together by a 30-minute window two men that should have never had the keys to access people's homes and the fact that both women were victims of someone literally violating their homes and waiting for them to get home. They knew their schedules or at least some form of what their schedules would be. These cases stand out to me because it could have been me, it could have been you. I don't know how many places I have lived where the maintenance man just seem a little bit creepy. I'm sure maybe other people listening might have that same feeling. The Mia Marcano Foundation is doing their due diligence to help this never happen to anyone in Florida again, and hopefully this bipartisan legislation is passed in all states. Both of these families had someone taken from them, and it's cold comfort to know who did it, but it doesn't change the fact that their loved ones are are gone and and nothing can. Both women lived alone and were building their lives, and they were robbed of the comfort they should have been granted by living in their homes. Both of the owners of these apartments did not do the proper vetting and allowed predators to have access to keys that they should have never had in the first place. Both of these cases are recent. One just happened, you know, about a year ago, not even, and the other one happened in 2015. This is not a new topic because I've heard of this happening before as well. If you ever watch Forensic Files, you're going to hear different stories and I swear to God, I could not find it online, but I know that I heard another case similar to this of another college student and 
it happened like somewhere in Texas. Like I couldn't find it, but I did search high and low and I know it happened because that's the first thing I thought of when I heard Mia's case. But then I found Jasmine and I thought, you know, why not tell Jasmine's story? Because Jasmine didn't have nearly as much coverage as you would think she would have had, especially, you know, it wasn't like she came from, you know, a bad home or, you know, a populated area where, like, you know, people just don't get their cases covered. This girl was literally going to Africa and saving people's lives just because she wanted to save people. You know, she wasn't just someone that didn't do anything with her life. Like, she was doing stuff. And if you have a few moments today, go check out Mia Marcano Foundation website at miamarcanofdn.com. I know I've said that so many times in this episode, but I wonder if that means I really want you to go do it. Uh, <laughs> we will also link Mia Marcano Foundation website on our page at Crime Connections on Facebook and Crime Connections Pod on Instagram. Thank you for listening, and join us next week when we air another episode. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys.